It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right, Ben. Fight fans to the two minute round, your hooks and jabs look at female boxing. And tonight, 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 December 3rd, is a very special night for us here on the two minute round. We have hit the milestone of our 100th show here on the two minute round. It's about, it's been about four years, I think. Let's see, let me get uh, the list here. My name is Felipe Leon. Yeah, and with me, yeah, you heard him, the man. The myth, the legend, Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing tonight? Very good, very good. But you guys are the the legends. <laughs> and from all the way from the <laughs> Bay Area in San Francisco is Miss Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how you doing tonight? Hi, I'm doing good. Hi guys. Hi David. Hi Felipe. Hey, Hi, I'm very excited. Very excited today. Like we mentioned, it's our hundredth episode. We started this two minute round podcasts all about female boxing back in March 10th of 2016. So it's been almost five years, like David mentioned, and our first guest was Tom Loeffler. Uh, But now, tonight, our guest is going to be none other than the newly crowned WBO Super Featherweight Champion, Michaela Mayer. She's going to be with us in about 15 minutes, and this is going to mark not the first time, but she's been with us um, I believe a couple of times already. Uh, let me see if I can find her here on our list. Yeah, she's been here two times. So this is going to be the third time that she's with us. Last time she was with us, I think it was back in, let me check here, my list. Um, uh, I think it was back in like 2000, was it 17? No, it's got to be sooner. It was before, it was after that. That she, yeah, was, that was probably was the, the first virus. time. Yeah, I think it was the first time. Positive virus. Okay, so it was this year. Let me see. So uh, I can't. Oh, here she is. She was with George, with her manager, George Reese. It was back on June 11th. And her first time she was with us was back in 2017. So uh, this is going to mark the third time that she's with us on the show. And obviously, she's going to be calling in now as the undefeated WBO Super Featherweight Champion. So she should be calling in about 15 minutes. We're very excited about that. And she's going to be the guest on our 100th show here on the two-minute round. We do have a little bit of fight results for you guys before Michele calls in. Back on Saturday, November 21st, the fight wasn't sanctioned. It doesn't really count. We've gone over the story of why these fights in Mexico City are not being sanctioned. Uh, There is no commission 
on the premises, the commission of Mexico City has stopped boxing. Actually, the only the only fight card that they actually came out of and actually sanctioned in Mexico City was the title fight for Francisco uh, Gallito Estrada against Carlos Cuadras a couple of weeks ago, some weeks ago, and, and also the defense of uh, Roman and Chocolatito Gonzalez on that same uh, night on the zone. But other than that, any other fight that has happened in Mexico City has not been sanctioned by the Mexico City Commission. Now, the state of Mexico has been sanctioning fights, but not in Mexico City. So this fight between Jackie Nava and Marisol Corona was not a sanctioned fight, but we have to mention it because it is Jackie Nava. She scored a unanimous decision uh, by the WBC judges that were assigned to the fight. It was a 10-rounder at 122 pounds. And, you know, Jackie Nava has not announced formally that she might be retiring. She did mention uh, previous to this year and some of the, sometime this year that this year, 2020, was going to be her last year as a professional. And she hasn't officially announced her retirement, but she did make some remarks um, after this fight that she felt in there that what was going through her head while she was in the fight with Marisol Corona was that these were going to be the last punches that she was going to throw as a professional inside a ring. So we might not ever see that fight that we have been waiting for for a couple years against Mariana Juarez, David. So if you think that she retires this year, 2020, you think she's a first ballot Hall of Famer into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, not that they are receiving uh, female fighters? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. Um, Lupe, do you think that she's a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I do. There's no, nobody like her, especially in her in her prime. Nobody. And, you know, she did make some comments after, um, you know, you just mentioned she made the comments about herself after this fight, and then she made some comments about um, after Barbie's fight, and she said she was no longer interested. She felt like, yeah, she was no longer interested because she felt the fans were no longer interested. So she's been saying... Hmm. You know, she knows this time. Well, one thing that Jackie said about Barbie is that now that Barbie doesn't have the height, the the title, then it doesn't really matter that that fight is not that enticing for her. And like you say, Lupe, maybe not for the fans because it wouldn't be a world title fight. So, I mean, that's something that it cost Barbie a big showdown against Jackie Nava yeah. losing that title uh, about a month ago to Julian Luna. Uh, so... We're going to see what goes, what happens with Jackie Nava. Um, if she's going to officially retire, she's actually going to put something out. She's going to have some kind of ceremony. She's going to have a press conference actually stating that she is officially retired. We're going to wait for that. Also today, earlier today in, in Tokyo, Japan, we have a new WBO minimum weight, 105-pound champion, Etsuko Tada wins the title for the third time, scoring a ninth-round TKO over Ayaka Miyao. Miyao. Uh, the official time was eight seconds, so I'm guessing that Miyao didn't come out for the ninth round. So, so she got knocked out with one punch. Yeah. Oh, did you, oh so did you guys I didn't get you Yeah, left, left uh, cross to the chin. Boom, it was over. Yeah, oh, okay, did you so see I'm gonna, that, David? I'm going to look for it. 
I have, well, I have it, so I'll send it to you. I have a clip. Eureka shared it with us, and yeah. she just has yeah. a clip of the knockout. Did you see that? I'll send it uh, over to you. Yeah, I saw it. So there you go. We have a new, uh, uh, a new. Well, it's the third time she wins the title, but she is she wins the title once again at 105 pounds at Sukotada, and she joins uh, Yocasta Valle, the IBF champion, Tina Rupert, the WBC champion, oh. and Anabel Ortiz, the WBA champion, as 105 pound uh, queens. Now, Yocasta Valle and Tina Rupert are scheduled to face each other next month in January. They're supposed to face off, I think, this month in December. But because of COVID getting a little bit more serious, they had to postpone the fight. But it looks like now the fight's going to happen in Costa Rica. And mm-hmm. we're, still waiting to, we're still waiting for the next appearance of Anabel Ortiz, the Mexican 105-pound WBA champion. I actually touched bases with uh, a person that I have contact with, with Sanford Promotions, which is uh, one of the major promotional companies in Mexico. And he mentioned that they do still have a contract with Anabel Ortiz. So we'll wait to see what happens there. But... As far as Sanford, they're not really doing a lot of fights. I mean, they did that Jackie Nava fight, and they've done others. I think they have one scheduled later this month, actually here in Tijuana now. And I think they have another one scheduled in January, but they did not mention that they're going to be featuring any female fights on either one of those uh, of those fight cards here in Tijuana. So we'll hmm. see what happens with, well, with uh, Ana Bel Ortiz. I do have a um, – there, there is a, a – supposedly, I, I'm not trying to start up a – contractual uh, uh, battle, but uh, I've heard that uh, Golden Boy does have a three-fight deal with Anabel Ortiz, and that if they're awaiting uh, negotiations with Sunisa, uh, whose contract is up, and Mm -hmm. if she does sign with Golden Boy, then she'll probably be fighting Ortiz in January. Wow, as soon as January? Yeah. Nice. I mean, I mean, they're both training. It's not like they're not training. They're training to fight each other. They already know. Okay. But, but they gotta get to they the still, Sunisa has to sign the contract. She doesn't want to just sign the sign. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see what happens if they sign with Golden Boy. And if they do, then they'll be fighting on a Van Ortiz. So what? What? Uh, what? what is there a fight card scheduled for January for? Golden Boy, we, I do know that they have that January second schedule with um, yeah. yeah with uh, Ryan Garcia. Franchon. Is that is if if Franchon Cruz Desern is also on the card? Would it? I don't believe it would be on that card if Franchon's already on there, right, David? Would they have another card I, in, in January? I don't well, know. I, I they were both on it, right? Yeah, but they, um, but it wasn't. A, yeah, it was. Was it? Were they? No, they wasn't. Sinessa's last fight when she knocked out the the lady. No, no, sorry, no, sorry. Garcia, the Campbell fight that just got canceled. They were both. On, yeah. Well, Franchon was on that. Was Sinessa on that, David? I don't think so. Oh, uh, jeez. I don't think so. I don't think. So. I don't think she was scheduled on there. Because I do know, I heard another uh, another tidbit here. Somebody close to the Jaime Munguia camp says that his next fight is scheduled for February. So if Franchon is on that Ryan Garcia card, maybe they would make that card. Maybe they would make that Sinis Estrada fight Anabel Ortiz on the Jaime Munguia mm. card in February. 
the, unless they have another card, another card scheduled sometime in January, um, past that January second of the Garcia Campbell fight. So we would have to wait yeah, very, if that were to happen. Yeah, it's very possible because they, you know everybody wants to get it going, and with or without fans, they want to get mm-hmm. things going. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now we are waiting for our special guest here on our episode number 100, which is going to be Michaela Mayer. She's going to be calling here pretty soon. She's actually training out here in Southern California at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista, California, which is a mm-hmm. suburb of San Diego. She is training there with the other Olympians like uh, Jeannie. I don't. Know, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't want to. Uh, is it Fuchs or? It's not. I don't know how. Jimmy Fuchs. Jimmy Okay. And then there's also uh, what other female uh, Olympians are there? I know that our, our very yes, own Andrea from Medina. Andrea Medina from Chula Vista and, is yeah. there. Yeah, Naomi Graham, the 165, didn't go. Um, O'Shea uh, Jones, the 132, didn't go. So, they, and they also invited um, some lo- some other fighters that were maybe the third on the list. So they were, mm-hmm. spre- you know, they invited one of the girls from NorCal who's probably third or fourth and unfortunately she was sick and she couldn't go so they were so they were reaching out for the um not just the number ones so is this kind of like an invitational type of thing where they just get together and just have like a little short camp just to train or are they training for some kind of competition it was it was invitation but they're um it was an international sparring camp training camp so they were bringing they're bringing in other countries which is a whole different story because they did USA Boxing did cancel the nationals in Louisiana for that was going to be this weekend, everyone mm-hmm. landing. But then they're giving this international sparring camp in the same week, so it's a little controversial. Well, I, I I see I see what you're saying, but I mean I think it's a lot it's a, a lot more controlled uh, environment with only such a amount of, of uh, fighters. Where I believe that that the USA Nationals they were boasting that they had like about 1,500 fighters uh, registered yeah. for that tournament. Yeah, so yeah. that's, I mean, yeah. that's a lot. That's a big crowd for, for what's going on right now versus, you know, yeah, a, a smaller no controlled, yeah, a smaller yeah. controlled group where they're having mm-hmm. here in Chula Vista. Well, uh, as we speak now with mm-hmm. us here on our show, and we want to thank you for being with us. I know she's very busy and she's probably a little bit tired from her training, but with us is the newly crowned, WBO Super Featherweight Champion, Miss Micaela Mayer. Micaela, how are you doing tonight? Hi, guys. I'm doing well. I'm hey. here in Thanks. that whole kind of training camp <laughs> you guys are just talking about. Yeah. Thank you for being here with us. We appreciate it. This is our 100th episode of this show. We've been on the air since uh, March of 2016, and we we find it very special that you, an American a world champion is with us here on the show. So with that said, I want to pass on the baton to Mr. David Avila. David, go right ahead. Uh, first off, congratulations, Michaela. I just want to say welcome, uh, world champion. How does that feel? Um, It feels, I guess I should, I don't know. I don't really don't feel that much different. I mean, I think maybe, uh, okay, let's go back. I, think that after the fight or during the fight when the whole thing happened it was a little underwhelming um seeing that there was no audience and 
the belt was left in the locker room. And so that, like, whole experience was just a little weird to me. Like, it just didn't feel like a world championship fight. And it's nobody's fault. I've said this before. But just the circumstances. So, I don't know. That might play a little part. But then also, it's just a step in the right direction, you know? Like, there's still so much I want to accomplish. So, it feels good to, like, take that step, which is very, very needed in order to accomplish the rest of my goals. So, um, yeah, it's good. It'd be another step in the right direction. Well, I mean, you have been chasing that title for two years at least. Yeah. Uh, you've been gunning for that title, asking Bob Arum, asking anybody, telling the whole world that I want a title fight. I want a title fight. And you finally get it. You you, you get Brodnika. And um, what was it like fighting her, technically? What did she offer? Did she do anything confusing to you? Or uh, I knew you were prepared for a holding, but what was it like being in the ring with her? Yeah, so I I always knew that, like, I was the more well-rounded, technically skilled fighter. And everything I said going through that fight, I absolutely meant. Like, I, I had no doubt in my mind that I was going to take the belt from her. But in – and Coach Al prepared me for this. Her style was a lot more frustrating and awkward than I expected it to be. And Coach Al, that's why he's such a great strategist and um, such a genius coach because he sees these things so far ahead. And he said from the beginning, like, when you have someone constantly running in those big circles, it can be frustrating. When you have someone who's constantly tying you up on the inside, you can get frustrated and they'll throw you off your game. And he, he said, it's like, I, I know you're going to win. I believe you're going to win, but I want you to look good doing it. And so we really, really worked on that and paid close attention to her kind of awkward ways. But getting in there with her, it did take me a while to kind of to get my – I didn't feel like my punches were landing as clean as they normally do because the second I got in, she would hold, and then she'd be back on the bike. Did, did you feel that you ever hit her with your best? Or? No, I, like, no, I still don't feel like my shots would have landed, landed as clean as they, as they should have. Um, Otherwise, I feel like she would have, I would have stopped her. So um, she, she had good kind of her style. You know, that's why she's 19 and 0. That style gives a lot of people a lot of trouble. And even though I don't really, I don't really care for that style, I think that um, it's very defensive and it's not very exciting style. But that doesn't really doesn't matter what I think. It got her 19 wins. So um, we definitely had to adjust to that. So it was a great learning experience and. I uh, followed the game plan that we had. Obviously, there's always things I could have done better, and Coach Al makes that very well known. He doesn't let me forget it, but <laughs> uh, we got the win. That's the most important thing, and we learned a lot. So what what was it like going to Puerto Rico to get your belt? That was fun. Honestly, I was bummed I didn't get the belt, and I didn't even realize it until a few seconds after. I'm just like, wait, aren't I supposed to get crowned with the belt? But... <laughs> when they offered to take me to Puerto Rico to go get it myself, I was like, all right, that kind of makes up for it. And I ended up staying there for a few extra days because Christina Cruz, who is a longtime Team USA member, is now representing Puerto Rico. And so I got to kind of spend a couple of days with my old teammate and enjoy her home countries or her home, not countries, part of the United States, but her home turf. So it was cool and worth it. What was it like? Did, did they know who you were or – were you uh, under uh, anonymous circumstances? Um, honestly, the, the, the pandemic over there is just as serious as it is here. There was not a lot of places open. Mm. We weren't really out and about doing um, 
social things and masks everywhere. And so we just had some beach time, took a surfing lesson. It was fun. So, so you got a chance to see uh, some of the other fighters in your division uh, participate in their own fights uh, recently, like uh, Terry Harper. Uh, what, what did you think of her fight? Um, yeah, I just watched Terry Harper's fight. She did really well. I, she boxed great. She looked good. Um, Katharina Sanders' style is made perfectly for her, though. I mean, same like you can kind of compare it to my fight with um, Helen Joseph, right? That short style comes straight into you. So when you, when you are long and tall and you know how to box well from the outside, that's the style perfectly designed for you. So she had a great opponent to make her shine. Um, it made her look good, but at the end of the day, Katharina Sanders isn't me. Um, I'm way more well-rounded, and I would not be able – Terry would not be able to hold me off as easily as she did Sanders. And what did you think of the recent signings of uh, the Korean fighter Choi? And uh, now that they're all there, uh, yeah, I said it, what do you I was, think? Go ahead. He started rounding up those girls. I had no problem with it. I mean, people thought that I was salty, but I'm not salty because, I, and I tweeted this, at least now I know where to find them, right? Before they were scattered <laughs> throughout the world, uh, hard to get a hold of, and now at least we know who to go through, and that's Eddie Hearn. So I'm hoping that he'll be willing to make these fights happen. I I heard a rumor that she's going to be going up against Hamadouche next. I don't know if that's true, but I, mean, I know that Top Rank and George, they're they're going to start – making those calls soon, so we'll see. Speaking of Hamadouche, what do you think about her recent escapades in the amateur world? Do you feel that's right, or do you feel that um, it's kind of strange, or what are your true feelings on that? Well, I mean, I can understand your desire for wanting to go for the Olympics, but, I mean, now is not the time and the place. Like, women's box, our division especially is, like, on the rise so much. There's so, so, many, so much talent here and a lot of eyes on us. And I think that she needs to make a decision and choose. Her country's a little different. Like in America, we wouldn't be able to do that because of our bylaws and a lot of things I won't go into. But other countries are now able to transition out of the pros and compete for a spot on the Olympic team. So I just think that our, our division is too hot right now for you to be focusing on both. I think she needs to either vacate her belt and chase the Olympic dream, or she needs to defend her belt and take take this game seriously because there's a lot of girls coming up that are going to want to take her spot. Well, Michaela, I'm going to pass you on to Lupi. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hey, Michaela. Hey. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I, you know, I'm laughing because, I mean, as bad as the pandemic is and was. I mean, there was a lot of good things happening, too. And one of the good things was you winning the world title. So congratulations. Thank you. Know, you. Yes, it really hasn't been that bad to me. I know it's, it, it really hasn't. Like, there's been a lot of good things that happened to me this year, despite everything. So I can't be too upset. I know, you know, and that was one. <laughs> I mean, it made us happy. We felt, on our side, we felt like we won, too, you know. And it, okay, it, yeah, it brought us up. <laughs> it really brought us up. It, it just makes me happy and makes me laugh. And you told David how you felt, you know, so let's move on to your social media. <laughs> you know, I love, I love seeing you with your sisters. 
I mean, are you seeing them more oh, with COVID lockdown? Do you always make the time? I mean, do they go to your pre-COVID fights? Um, we always we always make time to see each other a couple times a year. Um, we all live in different states, so it's not like normal families where we get together every weekend for dinner. And I don't even know what normal is, but uh, we do have to make the time exactly. to kind of come together. But I'm just I'm just proud that like even with all everything that we have going on and circumstances growing up that we all sort of stayed really close and really make time for those um, sister vacations. So that was good to have. Yeah, it is great. And let's still talk about your social media because David asked a few of the questions I wanted to ask you. So let's, let's think, um, you know, okay, let's go back to the beginning of, of COVID lockdown and you can, okay. you said, and you were on Twitter, but you know, you, you're always working. So it's not like you're always on social media. Because I'm always yeah. on social media, and I noticed I don't know. And when And at the beginning of COVID lockdown, you came on and said something like, I'll be on Twitter more, and what am I going to start talking about? And somebody said, I don't even know who this person was, and they said, nobody cares. And I thought, <laughs> wow, Twitter is about to get a little more interesting. But you know what I also noticed? I noticed it happened to Chris, Clarissa Shields, and I see it happening to you. The fighters mm-hmm. from across the pond, they like to talk their shit. They get you guys going. They talk a little more. They get you guys, you know, they fire you guys up. And then either they go silent or they turn into the good girls at media days and weigh-ins. They leave, and then yeah. they leave you guys like the loudmouth Americans. Am I wrong <laughs> in how I'm seeing this? No, I no, I do, I do see that. I see that coming from everybody, not just people on the other side of the pond. But like, honestly, just one thing that I've, I the way I've changed over the last year and a half, or just my own, is I just really just don't care what people think anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I have my moments where we all, we all might, but for the most part, I just don't care. Like, like you said, I'm working hard, I'm doing what I got to do, I'm showing up in my fights, and so everything I say, I mean. Yeah, it's been great. I've enjoyed it. <laughs> and okay, and I want to get your yeah. Go ahead. And honestly, like I, I can see the benefit in it now because I had to make noise in this division. Like this division's on kind of on fire right now. It really is. It's, it's yeah. probably the the hottest division out there right now. But I feel like that's because of me because I've been out there and I've been putting these girls on blast and calling them out and kind of making it exciting. So um, it's just funny when you see like. Carrie Harper doing her post-fight interviews because her whole country's asking about me, and then they think she's calling me out. It's like, no, she's finally responding after months and months and months of saying nothing, right? And yeah. It got to the point where I'm doing interviews left and right for UK press, and she had no choice but to, to face the question because they're sitting there in her post-fight interview saying, okay, what about Michaela Mayer? Because her whole fight week is, is talking about me, and I'm not even the one fighting her. So yeah, I had to do that, though. I had to get I had to get the ball rolling, and it's so funny because Coach Al never really wanted me to be that way. He wanted me to stay humble, and, you know, that's how he trained me to be, and I appreciate that. But it's funny because we were sitting at the pre-fight um, meeting with ESPN, and uh, – Andre Ward goes, you know, Michaela, you've been talking on social media, and I must say, like, I like it, I believe you, <laughs> and what does Coach Al think about that? And I look, Coach Al's sitting right there, I'm like, he doesn't know, Andre, <laughs> and he really doesn't know, like, the hype I've been building in this division, like, around Terry Harper and everything, and I'm a little uh-huh. scared for him to see some of the things I said, but in the long run, <laughs> like, we're getting, 
we're getting talked about and we're building these fights and that's what it's about. It is what it's about. You know, also a lot of talk on social media was uh, the YouTuber fight versus Nate Robinson, the NBA um, player. You know, yeah. they're, giving box, they're giving boxing licenses to guys who never fought in the ring before, and they're paying them way more than any women and a lot of men. So it wasn't just I saw a lot of women talking about it, but I also saw a lot of men talking about it. I mean, I think it's dangerous, and I think it cheapens the sport. What's your take on it? It's it's really weird because I think it's all right. I think everyone's right. It definitely is bringing a different type of uh, demographic to boxing, right? Like getting a lot of views, getting a little bit more notice from maybe people who wouldn't really be watching a boxing fight. But then also, yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous to be letting these guys get in the ring. Spend their whole life to get in the ring. It's, he got knocked out hard. He got knocked out cold. Like, who was for that? And that is very dangerous, but, I mean, at the end of the day, like, it is bringing attention to our sport, but also at the at what cost, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't Yeah. I don't know. It's such a new era, such a new day and age with all this social media, and the what, he got paid that type of money because that's, that's the that's his, that's the draw that he brings in, right? Like, that's why instead of like complaining about these times, I just like encourage young boxers, like you've got to just go with the times. Like if you want to make money and you want to build your brand, you, you have uh-huh. to, to get involved in social media, you know, be careful about what you post, but also be on there, be active and build your brand because that, the, your numbers, that's how many people you can sell someone's product to, right? That's like, we literally, you can go onto someone's social media now and just see how much they're worth by their numbers. Yeah. And it's, it's a weird, yeah. weird time. So I don't really know what to think about it. It just is what it is. I, I think, yeah, but I think you're right when you say you just got to go with the times and like, you're right, you know? I mean, if you want to keep going and push ahead. You know, yeah. during the pandemic, you fought Helen Joseph. Um, and I want to say that you were the first, were you the first female fight to come out of the pandemic? You and you, Helen, yeah, came to that. Yeah, for sure. I def- we were definitely the first female fight, I'm pretty sure. But I was supposed to be on the Shakur card, which is the first sporting event back. And then, you know, I tested positive. So we pushed yeah, it to the right. next month. Yeah. So yeah. you brought a lot of, um, you know, like I said, we felt like we won. And, and Helen brought it. I mean, of course she doesn't. You're tough. I mean, it's hard to, comp- you know, it's going to be hard for a lot of these girls to come against you. But Helen did bring it. It was exciting. We were excited. We're, you know, Kim Clavel fought on ESPN, and and I think there was there must have been another fight in there somewhere. But a lot of us, we were excited. We you fired us up, and we were so excited about how the women were showing up during the pandemic, you know. And then Sinisa came, and they were gonna her she had last minute uh, change and took that girl out in seven seconds, you know. Um, and I love Sinisa. She's she's a little badass. But right after that, I was speaking to the higher echelon in female boxing, and they were convinced, and I'm, and I'm going to name names, that Golden Boy was, was trying to take women's boxing down a notch because you, Helen Joseph, Kim Clavel, Natalie Gonzalez, you all brought it. Can I get your thoughts yeah. on what I just said? Um, what do you, yeah, we all brought What do you mean? How does that have to compare us with a Golden Boy? Because they didn't have a – Yeah, well – and I know things happen. You know, you can't get an opponent. It's, COVID brought everything, you know, changed everything. 
but it just felt like women's boxing was ramped up so much during the pandemic and kind of over, you guys were overshadowing the men. And I, I know you were. And then all of a sudden it was kind of like, boom. Oh, and then everybody it was, was a talking huge about year. that. It was mm-hmm. a huge year for women's boxing. And the fact that we did it during the pandemic doesn't surprise me because we're just hustlers like that. We're just yeah. here to like, we, you know, we, we, we want our time. And if we had to do it, if we had to get our shine during a pandemic, fine. But now we're here to stay. Like the world saw us. And I just think that after this year, hopefully, you know, things will keep, keep, keep evolving at this, at this rate. Because we still, we really still do have a long way to go. I mean, yeah. Top rank still only has one female. Um, Golden Boy, you know, hasn't signed anyone recently. Well, they, they put Sulem on a card, but they gave her a contract. Like, there's still a long way to go with women's boxing. Yeah. Um, so I still have a, I still feel like I have a job to do in that sense. Hey, but Yan Min Choi exists. We know she exists now. <laughs> Who? <laughs> uh, Mi Choi. Yummy Choi? Is that how we say oh, her yeah. name? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yummy we know Choi? she exists now, right? Like, what the hell? I know. I don't understand. I really don't. But that's okay. It's okay. It's okay because this is, this is, this is like, this is just proof that women's boxing's on the come up. It's an evolution. It's, it's evolving because there's this, there's no more room. There's no more time for this, for, for champions to be off hiding in their country. No, it can't be found. Not fighting anyone, anyone with a name, like, those times are over. We're going to change that. And I know the girls that are at the top of the game right now and hungry, like, they want to change that, too. Yeah. You know, and what Matching's doing, I mean, it's great. You know, I mean, he's signing a bunch of women. He's putting them on the cards. They're going for for um, title fights. And, you know, you did touch with David on what you thought about Maeva Hamadouche. But come on, Michaela. Yeah. She beat Rashida Ellis in the amateur international competition. And now she's going to fight for a world title when her last eight fights were amateur. And I like her. I think that's the fight for you. I really do. I think that'd be a great fight. But come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't agree with it. I really don't agree with it. But I guess like her country is allowing her to do it. All I know is that there can't be any excuse that oh she's too busy to defend her belt because she's training for for the Olympics. Like there can't be any of that. Um, yeah. She needs to be able to defend her belt. She needs to stay active as a pro. And like fully invested, or she needs to give up her, give up her belt and move on. Yeah, and like yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one last thing. So Clarissa signed with PFL for MMA, yeah. and and she has said, you know, as a two-time Olympic gold medalist, she has the, the IQ to switch sports. Do you see yourself being an Olympian yourself, having that higher competitive IQ and able to make the crossover when, when you're ready, or? If you're ever ready. Um, for me, hell no. I'm not crossing <laughs> over into MMA. I dabbled that idea for a while after the Olympics when, like, there was no promoters, like, knocking, begging in my door, like, please let me sign you. Like, you know, they were the men. And I, I wanted to go in that direction. So I see her. I, I can understand her desire to do that. But, you know, we're at different times in her career. I'm five years older than her. I, you know, she's got, I think she's got a little bit more time on her side. Um, and she, she's at the point where she feels like, okay, she's, she's handled her division. She's handled what she can do in boxing. And now she wants to challenge herself somewhere else. Whereas I feel like I still have so much to accomplish in my professional boxing career. Like I still only have one belt. I want to go undisputed. I want to go up to 135 and challenge the best there up to 140 one day. And so I, 
too many things in boxing that I feel like I need to check off my list. And, and mm-hmm. by the time I do that, please, God, don't let me switch over to MMA because, no. <laughs> well, we're yeah, not for me, but we're excited. We're, we're happy for your career, your win, you make every, you know, you, all the little girls love you. I mean, you're just a great role model. You're the whole package. So thank you for that. And we can't wait to fight again. Yeah, me too. I should get some news here. I mean, I think the latest maybe March, but um, no, no concrete details yet. So I'll let y'all know. All righty. I'd say keep working, but you always do. <laughs> thank you. I do. All right. Take care. Felipe. Okay. Thank you, Michaela. Uh, thank you, Lupe. Now, on your social media, I also enjoy your social media. I also, I really enjoy your interactions with your friend Jeannie. How do you pronounce her last name? Because I don't want to say a bad a bad word. Yeah, you don't want to mess it up the way every ring announcer does when we're overseas. Yeah, and she's about to say, yeah, it's fuchsia, 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 like like yeah. fuchsia without the uh. Yeah, just the first half okay. of fuchsia. I really like you guys. <laughs> And how you guys interact. You guys are like the modern day Laverne and Shirley. You know, you guys have a lot of fun, and I really look forward to uh, when you guys post. I mean, she really takes your digging, like, like you know, with a laugh and everything. It's really, it's really, it's really sweet. Um, yeah, now, my first, fun. go ahead. Yeah, hold on. You guys, I actually, I saw that you guys, you gave the story of how you guys met. You guys met at a fight. You guys both <laughs> lost at a, at a, an event, and you guys went out and partied and had a great time. Yeah, that was she's sitting right here by the way. She's my roommate right oh. now in San Diego, of course. But um yeah, that was the uh, first of all, anytime I come around Ginny, she's like prime content. So like one of the things about social media is like you have to constantly come up with content. And so why I think I'm kind of good at it, I'm never really on my stories. I'm never really the one being filmed or doing things. I'm just catching my friends in the act. Like mm-hmm. I'm just good at sensing a funny moment coming up and like Ginny has them all day long. So I always say she's prime content. But, um, and everyone loves her because she's such a character. But yeah, I was explaining, it was, we met at a, one of our first National Golden Gloves tournaments. I mean, we lost early on, and yeah, we went out. She started running. We were running back to the hotel, and she kind of, we were definitely, we were, we were, we were partying. So she drunk ran, <laughs> fell, cracked her head open, and just, it was raining out. And so she's just bleeding everywhere, all over her. And I can't carry her. She's dead weight and knocked out. And so, I was like Carrie's, Missy Carrie, like running around with her blood everywhere. I had to call an ambulance, throw her in there. And this was before social media. Like, we didn't have Instagram and all that. And I didn't have her number. And so I didn't see her. I just, I just, I just for all I know, she died. I have no idea. <laughs> see her the next year at the same tournament. And I was just like, dude, you're alive. And she's like, oh my God, dude, I never got your number. <laughs> and then we've been friends wow. since. <laughs> and it's, and you know, she, she seems to be a, a great sport because, I mean, you even like, film her peeing and uh and you know <laughs> completely nude and she i mean she's still there so she, she's a great sport i do that to a lot of my friends i'm just trying to i feel like i take life really seriously when it's in boxing but when i when i'm not in training camp and or you know just even outside of boxing like i try not to take life too seriously and so you know everyone pees so why not? <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but not, not everybody gets shown to, I don't know how many followers you have, probably a million. And nobody, not everybody's peen gets shown to a million people on, on Instagram. So it's not the you know, same. 12,000 people just viewed you on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like, God. But yeah. no. And her, okay. she, she makes, you know, her whole, her whole struggle with OCDs. 
people sometimes think I'm I'm being insensitive, but it's really mm-hmm. it's really just sort of a, a way to like be lighthearted about the whole situation. Yeah. And she's you always will see soon. She's doing a handful of documentaries right now um, for her struggle with OCD while she trains for the Olympics. And you guys will the, the boxing world will be able to see a whole new side of her that um, I don't show in my story, but pretty interesting it's pretty cool that she's willing to be so open about it yeah that's that and i did see that in your story that that uh that you guys touched on that i don't know what's going on with that drawer for drawer full of toothbrushes and the gloves <laughs> when she's eating so I, I i'm looking forward to seeing her story on the documentary now moving on to um your last fight with uh edward bronico where you captured the wbo title we saw her struggle with the weight so far that she cut her hair, she disrobed at the weighing, and she still she worked to try to in the two-hour allotment to try to lose the weight, and she was still over 0.1 and lost the title at the scale. Even if she, if she would have won, she wouldn't have been crowned the world champion, or she wouldn't have kept her title. Now, to what extreme do you think that you would have gone um, if that was the case? having the opportunity to win the world title right there. I mean, have you thought that if it got down to it, I mean, obviously you are disciplined, you have a great camp with coach Al and, and I'm sure you watch your diet, but one never knows, you know, do you think that you would go to the extreme of cutting your hair or, or something like that to make the weight first on all, a world title fight? First of all, if I was having to cut my hair on the scale, you best believe I had done everything else possible to my like extreme efforts before I stepped on that scale and cut my hair. Rodnika's situation is weird, and I'm going to tell you from somebody who witnessed it. It was weird because she showed up to win early. Like, if I was, like, hustling to make that wait, I'd be late. Shoot, they can wait an extra five, ten minutes. Like, I'll be there, and I'll get on that scale and wait. She showed up early, lounging around, stress-free, gets on the scale. We, she annou- we announced that she's over, and then she's, like, still all – casual and stress-free me and coach out looking at each other like does she know she's over and then so she had an hour to go lose 0.9 an hour an hour is plenty of time to lose 0.9 you throw on as many clothes as you can find you turn the, sh- the shower on as hot as you can you stand in the steamy hot shower and you shadow box shadow box shadow box and then you sit in the shower for an extra 10 minutes while your pores are open and sweat it all out like it is not that hard to do unless you're completely dehydrated and at, you know, you, you didn't cut properly and you just, you're screwed, right? But that wasn't the case. She was not at that stage. So she comes back after an hour of apparently trying to lose the weight, not sweating, not breathing hard, like no panic in her eyes, and then gets on the scale. And she comes back 15 minutes early. She came back after 45 minutes. She had an hour. Goes, stands on the scale, and she's over again. She tries to cut her hair. By the time they cut her hair, like, the time is up. And she was still point one over. So I don't know what she was thinking. Like to me, it's weird. It's weird. Hmm. You waited. You waited the hour to see if she was gonna make weight, or or. No, I had. I I went. I went to my room to go eat, and I I was on the phone with Coach Al and Coach K. They stood there and waited. Okay. And they wow. told me she didn't come back. Wasn't sweating. She wasn't look. Didn't look like she was trying to make weight at all. And like I know because I've been close. Like in the amateurs days, you know, when you're weighing in five days a week and you get up and you're like, ah, oh, shit, like I'm a pound over and you hustle to get that pound off because weigh-ins are at 7 a.m. Like I've done it a million times and you don't go to weigh-ins looking all cute and together. Like your hair is a mess. You're sweating. You're just like <laughs> kind of in a, you're ruffled. Your feathers are ruffled. And she was, she was completely calm. Wow. Now 
we all agree here on the show, you know, and in, in you that the, the 130 pound division, super featherweight division, is the hottest one in the female boxing. I mean, there's no denying it. I mean, the champions are there. The the back and forth has been done through interviews and social media. Besides the 130, what other division do you follow and you think is, you know, if not as hot, one of the hottest in, in the female boxing? Well, I, I've always said it that the smaller the the middleweights, like not middleweight, but middleweights like 130, 135, like those have always been the most competitive weights, even in the amateurs. Like it's just where women naturally sort of fall, right? So there's always more numbers there. Um, the the second most competitive division is definitely 135. I mean, I believe it's just right up there, very close. And I I plan on going there. I want to challenge myself at 135. But I want I put in a lot of work at 130, like just like you guys said. You know, I've been waiting a long time for my world title shot. Looking like I'm gonna have to wait a while to hustle these belts together and unify. And I'm willing to do that. I really want to do that. But I will also go up to if I, for the right money fights. Like I'll abandon that and go up to 35 if the money's there, and then come back down if I need to. But um, I feel like I'm tall and long. I've, have speed and power, and that I can I can fight in multiple divisions. And I've always said that, and I plan to do that. Now, touching on that, on on you know Eddie Hearn signing all the other champs, and we saw it coming. I mean, we saw Eva Bronica him sign. He asked Terry Harper. He signed Eva. You called it out on Twitter. Then you know you got the opportunity, but then he went out and signed Maiva, and then he signed uh, Me Choi. So. Do you ever have a conversation with your team, with George and with Coach Al, and even with somebody top rank, that you feel that maybe they're trying to corner you out and maybe not give you the opportunity in the near future? Have you had the conversation with your team? Yeah, no, we, we, we definitely know it's a possibility because I think that, and I tweeted this the other day, like it's kind of a fun game to guess like what Eddie Hearn's next move is because I know this is all being strategized, and I kind of ruined that plan when I was made mandatory to fight Ava Brodnicka. And now I know he's like having to redirect his plan of action, right? Like, so what is he going to do next? He's going to, he's going to unify with Neva and ha- Neva Hamadushin, Hayami Choi. So that's boom. Now he's, he had a unification bout, but the, the belts are still in his stable. And then wait for Terry Harper to heal up, give her a tune up fight and then let her unify and then save me for last. Like, that's what I think is probably going to happen, but obviously my team is going to do the best they can to try and make these unifications happen, like, sooner than later. Like, we're going to try to prevent that, but I don't know mm-hmm. the conversations going on behind the scenes with, with like, top rank. Because they're smart, too. Look at yeah, – Bob knew what he was doing all along. He was working to make me uh, mandatory, and it works just in time. Like, stars all aligned magically, same day. But is that, is that the case? And, you know, if Maiva has to fight Harper and then Harper needs to fight Choi, I mean, that might take six months. That might take a year. Does, is top rank ready to keep you busy with fighters that are in the top ten but are not going to be world title fights? Have you talked about that with them? Um, I haven't gone that far with talking to them, but me and George, I mean, me and George and, like, Coach Alex, we've definitely – talk about that idea and like that that's definitely kind of a a a worry of mine is that they're gonna try and freeze me out and it's gonna be really hard to make this unification these unifications I'm I don't know enough right now to like know what Eddie's thinking like to say that that's gonna happen and I really really hope it doesn't 
Um, but they're definitely planning on keeping me busy and it, it would suck to have to constantly defend my belt for nothing on the line, you know, like no, you know, other belt, no unification fight, but I'll do what I got to do. There's still a lot of top girls in the United States that I think that would make a great fight. Um, at one thirty is, you know, a lot of girls that haven't fought yet. So you got Heather Hardy, you got Serrano, you got, um, Delphine, you got, uh, Baumgartner who I, She's complaining now because she wants to fight, but she literally turned down the fight. I Top Rank offered me either Helen Joseph or Baumgartner. I'm like, oh, let's take Baumgartner because she keeps talking shit to me. And then she mm-hmm. turned down the fight. So I don't want to hear it from her. But my point is there are plenty of girls here to keep me busy. Um, you know, but I do hope to unify sooner than later. And I will go up to 135 if the offers are right. Now, touching on Eddie Hearn, he kind of set a, a little bit of fire under some fighters, some female fighters, a couple of weeks ago when he mentioned that, that you know, the money wasn't there yet for female boxing and that they need to kind of do their part as well as promoting themselves, which you have touched on on this interview, the, what you try to do in promoting yourself. But we never hear you going publicly about, you know, income, about if you feel like you're getting paid enough or you're not getting paid enough. I mean, to me, it sounds like you – Obviously, you're, you're making good money, but you're going after something else besides the money. But what did you think of, of Eddie Hearn's remarks and, and the backlash that he got from, like, Heather Hardy and Ava Knight regarding those remarks? Yeah, I just watched um, the interview that Heather Hardy did about that, and I, I really like her interviews. Like, I always think that she, like, is really passionate about things she says, and she, she's usually right on, in my opinion. Uh, but here's the thing. Women do have to do our part, but... All, all boxers have to do their part at this day and age with social media, like I was saying. We all have to do our part because that's, you know, we can increase our worth that way very easily. That's something we have control over. However, promoters feel completely fine with, like, investing all this money in a man who I may have five times more followers than them, right? So I'm, I don't know that. I could probably bring in more of a view draw than them but they they're they're more used to investing in a man regardless of their following regardless of the promotion they do for themselves um to raise them up because they know that they can get their money back right but they could do the same for females like it's really not all on us like we need the we need the stage right we need the platform and that's something that we don't have control of we the, the promoters have to do that and they do it for men they do it for men they do it for men who don't do half the promotion I do on my social media and all that. They don't even, they don't have half the following. They're getting moved properly and pushed up the ranks and invested in. And my last so, question to you, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. finish up. So I'm just saying, okay. the same way that Eddie Hearn would do that for his men, you know, he has to do that for his women. He can't just put it on us. And I understand we have it harder because people don't believe that women, some people don't believe women should be boxing, that we're good fighters. But if he's promoting women, he has to believe in them. It can't be a catch-22. I agree. Now, my last question to you is obviously earlier this year, you, 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 you got COVID, you tested positive for COVID and you keep, you, you're still, you know, traveling, you go to Puerto Rico to get your belt. You're out here in Chula Vista in San Diego and Southern California. You live in Colorado. Have you changed a little bit of, you know, your behavior, you know, not that it was your fault that you got COVID, but did you kind of get like, like, you know, hey, maybe I should be a little bit more careful because I did get COVID now, or is it just uh, business as usual? Um, well, it's 
you're wondering if I'm personally worried about getting COVID and getting sick, I'm not worried. I mean, obviously, I want to do my part because I don't want to pass pass it along and continue to spread the virus. But um, I think what it's been, I, and I definitely admit to this, we've been in this pandemic for so long that it's almost like everyone's kind of just learning how to live with it. And I'm still following the precautions that I have to, you know, wearing wearing masks and social distancing to, to an extent. I mean, obviously I'm with my sisters and doing all that, but I don't know. I want to continue to live my life to some extent, but I guess now it's kind of a little bit of a backlash and everyone's going back down on lockdown. Um, I don't, I don't know. So, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're all the same. I think a lot of us are, think you're just like you on the fence. Like, do I, you know, I want to be safe. I want to, you know, not, not spread it, not be a problem, but I also want to live my life, you know, and I think it's, it's getting to that point, but you know, like you say, it, it seems like it's going to get a little bit tougher now with the lockdown. Well, we, I want to thank you, Michele, uh, you know, David and Lupe want to thank you as well. And I want to do give you an open invitation. I know that you're into La Vista right now. I'm in Tijuana, which is like literally like 10 minutes away from, uh, from you guys, but obviously in the future when things open up, if you and Jeannie want to come down to Tijuana, I'll give you guys the tour. I just want to hang out with Jeannie and Ooh, you and just laugh it up. So, we definitely so, want to I'll, come to Tijuana. <laughs> yeah, I'll take you to all the spots that you guys want to go. I'll give you the tour, so uh, you just let me know and we'll make it happen, but thank you for taking the time being with us. Great interview, and we wish you all the luck, and hopefully uh, we'll see you back in the ring in March. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Bye. All right. Bye. Have a good night. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks, the newly crowned WBO Super Featherweight Champion, Michaela Mayer, here on the show with us. And very frank. You know, she's always been very frank with us. She's very frank on the on her social media. And I think that, uh, um, you know, she gave us some good insights uh, on you know, on her on her division and her on her career and, and what's going on in, in female boxing, David. Yes, I mean she's very eloquent and very uh uh straight to the point about everything and um you know congratulations to her. I mean she's really uh one of the top uh uh champions in the world and somebody to look forward to to watching. Yeah, definitely yeah. Well, folks, let's move on a little bit to a little bit of fight chatter. And we did mention it during the interview with uh, Michaela, where multi-divisional world champion Clarissa Shields has announced she has signed an exclusive contract with the Professional Fighters League, a MMA promoter. According to an MMA website, Shields will compete in both boxing and MMA in 2021. And on her social media, she has revealed she has been training in mixed martial arts. In confirming the signing, Shields stated, and I quote, I want to go where no woman no man or woman has gone and hold championships in both boxing and MMA at the same time. The one-two punch of PFL in MMA and Salida promotions in boxing will allow me to continue to show that there are no limits to what a woman can do. Unquote. So there you have it. I mean, Clarissa Shields, she had been hinting at it for quite a bit, but now she made it official. Her fight that was supposed to happen in May – to this day, now in December 3rd, has not materialized against Marie mm. Eve DeCary. So, you know, she's not left with anything else but to try 
mixed martial arts. I mean, I don't think that's the only reason. I think the also reason is that she wants to challenge herself and she's trying to see if there's something else besides boxing that can challenge her and obviously keep her in the public eye and obviously generate some income. But David, I know that you're not a big uh, fan of female fighters moving on to MMA. What are your thoughts on Clarissa Shields, possibly the biggest name in American female boxing signing this contract with an MMA uh, promoter? Uh, Well, like you said, I'm not really in favor of boxers going into MMA or or crossing over and fighting each other. And I really don't like that. Um, But, uh, and the other thing that the main thing that I don't like is that there's different body muscle, different muscles used in MMA that you don't use in boxing and vice versa. And when mm-hmm. you're training, you, you've trained your whole life in boxing, and then all of a sudden you do MMA. It's a whole different ball game, different muscles. You're on the ground. I've seen boxers destroyed, uh, their careers destroyed because they went into MMA. I've seen a couple of uh, female boxers go into MMA, get injured, and no longer box anymore because of it. And it's one of the things that I fear, and I hope it doesn't happen. But uh, it's just one of those things. It's it's MMA fighters get injured. They get injured a lot. And they yeah, and, sparring and, and training. And they get cut. I mean, the cuts that we see in MMA are are a lot more vicious than the cuts that we've seen in in boxing. You know, they do. Now they don't have as far as the male side. They don't have the accidents. You know, like you know the 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 you know the punching the the punching over and over, they don't have it. They kind of call the fights a lot sooner than they do in boxing. But the, some of the cuts that I've seen that males and females suffer in MMA are pretty vicious compared to, uh, to the boxing. Lupe, what are your thoughts? You know, you're, you know, you, you follow Shields. We all follow Shields, but you a, a lot more in, in the Olympics and her amateur career. And now that she has to, she's gone to MMA and it feels like, you know that she stated in other interviews that it's kind of like she's kind of not being pushed, but the fact that she can't get a fight and she's like you know a two-time gold medalist and you know multi-divisional world champion and they can can't still materialize a fight for her in 2020 is one of the reasons why she decided to do this. What are your thoughts on her signing with uh with an MMA promoter? Well, I think, you know, she's already the undisputed champion. So, I, to me, I think this move, it'll be incredible for her. I mean, and she knows, and she said that she knows that she'd be great on her feet, but once she hits the ground, she knows it's a different story, and that's when she said that's what she needs to train. So she knows what she needs to do. And then she said, and I totally get it, and that's why I asked Michaela as well, she said she's a two-time gold Olympic medalist. So her IQ she knows she can make that transition easier. And I, and I know what she means, you know. I mean, she thinks differently than just your average athlete because she is a two-time gold. So I think it's a good move for her. You know, me and my sister were talking about this. And, and like my sister says, follow your dreams, follow the money. And that also goes with it too, you know, follow, follow the money. But it's also her dream. So I say go for it. And she's not – some people were reporting that she was retiring from boxing, going to MMA, or some, you know, or I'm reading the comments like, "Wow, she's, you know, like she's just leaving." But she's not leaving. It's just the first step, you know. She knows she's got to train a totally different way, 
And if the boxing matches aren't coming to her, she's got to do something. Yeah, but it might lead to her leaving boxing. I mean, you know, the the, the prime example yeah. of somebody that actually has succeeded beyond anybody's dreams, I, I would imagine even hers, is Holly Holm. You know, Holly yes. Holm was a great fighter, a bu- great boxer. She had a great following in her home state of New Mexico. But she was in an era of boxing. It wasn't the era now where we have top ranks, mm-hmm. we have Golden Boy, where we have The Zone, we have Eddie Hearn, we have Metro Boxing. It wasn't that era. And she had no – I don't – I mean, David, you know better than I. Did she ever fight, like, on a major network? Did she fight on ESPN, Holly Holm? Oh, she fought on Fox. I saw her, actually, when she performed in Semecula. And uh, she she was, you know, she was a world champion. And uh, – she did exhaust everything, though. I mean, she exhausted all methods to try and get, uh, you know, a big money fight. And it, the money yeah. just wasn't there when she Back was fighting. I, I feel yeah. bad for her because she's an incredible athlete. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but the other female fighters that have recently tried to uh, make their way into MMA, they haven't been as successful as he- Holly Holm. You know, uh, Heather Hardy, Amanda Serrano, you know, Amanda Serrano went there, she fought Ava Knight. You know, they haven't been as successful. So, you know, we would have to wait and see if Clarissa Shields. I mean, is, can Clarissa, does Clarissa Shields have the potential to be as successful as Holly Holm in an MMA cage? Of course. You know, she's a great athlete. She's a great, she's a, she's an achiever. You know, there's one thing, she has a mentality of a winner. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go in, uh, with only one loss in the amateurs, close to a hundred amateurs and win two gold medals. If you weren't a winner and you weren't an achiever, you wouldn't be able to accomplish what she's accomplished in 10, 11, 12 fights as a professional fighter. If you weren't an achiever and somebody that can control her body with her mind, like she does, you know, the, the, the exhaustion, the fatigue, the pain of, of, of injuries, she controls it with her mind, you know, whatever she's feeling with her body, she's able to work through it with her mind, you know, and she's shown it time and time again in her boxing career. And I'm sure that if there's anybody that can succeed in MMA, it's her, but we're going to have to wait and see if she can actually learn the skills to be able to succeed in MMA like Holly Holm did. So that's something that, that we're going to wait and see. Um, moving on, to a recent interview, the legendary Mexican fighter Ana Maria Torres, obviously retired, gave her top five female fighters in Mexico. Obviously, she topped her topped her list with herself, followed by her arch rival Jackie Nava at number two. Then it was Ibella Roca Zamora at number three, Jessica Chavez at number four, and Areli Monsigno at number five, which is surprising that the one name that's missing is another fighter that is as popular if not more popular in Mexico and has accomplished as much as maybe Ana Maria Torres has done and Jackie Nava has done and it is Mariana La Barbie Juarez so it's very surprising that she wasn't included in Ana Maria Torres uh, list of the top five Lupe what are your thoughts on that do you think it's something else or do you really think that she doesn't think that she's as good as these other fighters that she mentioned First of all, I think Jackie Nava should be at that number one spot. And second, yeah. you have to keep your, in order for people or to sound credible, you need to keep your personal feelings and your emotions out of it. And you got to be honest. 
even if you put yourself at the top, you got to include Barbie or your credibility goes out the window. I agree, David. I'm sure you agree as well, right? About what? About for it to be credible, even if maybe maybe they don't like each other. Maybe she doesn't like Barbie, how Barbie carries herself. But if you want to be credible with a list of this of this kind, you have to include her as one of the top five female fighters out of Mexico of all time. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. That's her own opinion. Yeah, because then yeah. you look bitter or petty. You know. But yeah, but I mean, even if you, I mean, even if you look at the ones that she chose, I mean, Jackie now you can't deny. It. I mean, we spoke about her in the beginning of the show where she's a a future Hall of Famer. But Ribella Roca Zamora, I mean, she's a great fighter. But as far as accomplishments, I mean, she's won a title at 108 and 112, and that's it, I believe. So um, unless I don't think she won at 105. Jessica Chavez, same thing, 108, 112. Arely Mutinho. Her claim to fame is that she won all the different titles, the WBA, the WBO, the IBF, and the WBC at 112 at different times. You know, as far as accomplishments, you know, I mean, if you want to, I would include Arely Monsignor there because nobody's done what she's done, not even Nava or Torres, but Juarez has done much more than Zamora and, Jack, and Jessica Chavez have done in their careers. And um, so I think that it was a little bit surprising that she didn't include her. So, Let's finish up with our upcoming calendar. Just to a reminder, our next show is scheduled for December 17th. That is our next show, which is going to be the last of the year. And then we will have our end of the year, our first show of 2021. That's when we actually do a whole review of 2020 and we give out, you know, our awards and things like that. So we do it a little bit backwards. We have it as the first show of 2021. So our last show of the year will be December 17th. But there is some boxing Coming up in the next couple of weeks, we have um, on Friday, December the 4th, tomorrow from Argentina, which I might think, I, I think this might be a record, David and Lupe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we actually have a set of three sisters fighting on the same mm-hmm. card tomorrow night in Argentina. I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, we've had two sisters, you know, the Serrano sisters, the Enrique sisters, the Torres the Torres sisters never did it. Um, the Juarez sisters have done it. Um, but uh, but I don't think we ever had a set of three where Daniela Bermudez will be fighting fellow Argentinian Cynthia Gisela Castillo for the vacant IBF 122-pound title in a scheduled 10-rounder. Then uh, the current IBF 108-pound champion Evelyn Bermudez will be fighting at super flyweight, surprisingly, against Aixa Adema in a six-rounder. And the third sixer, Roxana Bermudez, will be facing Gabriela Celeste Alaniz in an eight-rounder at flyweight. So all three Bermudez sisters from Argentina will be fighting on the same card tomorrow night in Argentina. Tomorrow night also on Matchroom, matchroom Boxing on the Zone. This is going to be like mid-afternoon here in Southern California on the West Coast from the Wembley Arena, Shannon Courtney comes back from her lone loss to Rachel Baugh to take on Dorota Norick in an eight-rounder at 118 pounds. So that should be interesting to see if she was able to change something up or if she's going to continue to be the same. So that's an interesting fight there tomorrow on the I, zone. I thought, I, I, thought she, I thought she'd beat Ball. Yeah, I think that you know, having the referee as the judge uh, yeah. what is a mistake. 
Yeah, and we talked about it before where, where they do that in England, you know, when they have the, the undercard fights, they have the referee as a judge, which is so prehistoric. I mean, they did that here in the United States, but like in the 20s and the 30s, you know. David, I even, I even heard of stories where they would fight, and, I, I, and tell me if, if you heard of this, David, before, where they would fight, and then the fight would end. And then the newspaper men will decide yes. who the winner was, and they would announce it the next day in the newspaper. <coughs> exactly. That's the way it used which to is, be. The newspapers used to announce it. Which is, I mean, I, I like the idea because, you know, I'm not a newspaper man, but, I mean, I mean I, I'm a journalist. I write. David, you write. And you're a newspaper man. But, but that's even more prehistoric and more <laughs> archaic than, than having the referee do it. So let's yeah, see if that happens tomorrow. Yeah. Let's see if that happens tomorrow with this Courtney fight against Norick in an eight rounder at Matchroom Boxing the Zone tomorrow night on Saturday, December fifth in Argentina as well. Argentina's building it up. I mean, they're doing it. They're doing it. We always said it on the show: Argentina, Mexico, and at, and at one point Germany. Now England are probably the three biggest female uh, boxing countries. Maybe United States Japan. is starting to creep up in it. Japan is starting is one of them as well. But Argentina, I mean, they're having a title fight tomorrow night, Friday, and on Saturday night when Natalina Romero t- takes on. And now this lady, you know, we we joke that that these Argentinians have three names always. Cynthia Gisela Castillo, Daniela, her, she has a middle name, but I didn't want to write it all down. But this lady who Nazarina <laughs> Romero's fighting, she must really be Argentinian because she has four names. Her name is Julieta, <laughs> Andrea, Inez, Cardoso. So she's really, really Argentinian. La, and, la muñeca. <laughs> yeah, and then you still got to throw in, you got to throw in her uh, her nickname. So Nazarina Romero against Julieta, Andrea, Inez, Cardoso in a 10-rounder at 122 pounds for the interim WBA title. On Saturday, December 12th, from the Wembley Arena in London, another matchroom boxing card in the zone, and we're going to see the return of a fighter that impressed us in her pro debut, Ramla Ali, will be taking on Spaniard Vanessa Caballero in a six-rounder at 126 pounds. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing Ramla Ali on the zone on Saturday afternoon. And... From Mexico City, Promociones del Pueblo, this is going to be televised on Televisa. Lupita Martinez, the WBC 115-pound champion, will defend for the sixth time against Lourdes, La Pequeña, Lulu Juarez, the younger sister of Mariana Juarez. We've had her on the show. She's She's been looking for a world title fight for quite some time. I personally thought that it was going to come at 112 pounds but she has taken the challenge to go up to 115 and challenge the very strong, and I would say the heavy favorite Lupita Martinez for the WBC 115-pound title. So, you know, we're going to see that in action on Saturday, December the 12th. David, any thoughts on Lupita? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, on Lourdes going up to 115 and not going after that 112 title? That's a surprise to me, too. I mean, she was really good at 112 for her to go up a, a, another division like that. I, and that is surprising. I don't understand unless she finds it hard to cut the weight now. Mm. Lu, Lupi, do you think that Lupita Martinez is a heavy favorite or a, a just a favorite, or, or do you see it as an even fight? 
She's probably the favorite, but I think Lourdes might be the people's favorite because everyone mm. just knows her as Barbie's sister. You know, and you're probably right. She wants a title fight, so she's willing to do what it takes to step up, you know, to get that fight. Hey, did you guys notice, and this is dumb, but did you guys notice on the poster that they had Barbie's picture next to Lourdes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they only, they just say it's her sister, and that's it. And yeah. That's, that's all that's uh, but I mean that's I mean it's promoting I mean you're promoting I mean Mar- yes. Mariana Juarez is you know uh, you know Mariana Juarez in Mexico she's very very recognized you know like everybody knows she's a boxer and a lot of people might not watch her fights but they know that she does you know other things you know she has her calendar she does like mm-hmm. she's been on on soap opera she does she during COVID I think they were doing like a virtual play and she was like she was an actress in a in a virtual play that you could buy like pay-per-view to style uh, uh, yeah. uh, on a computer. So I mean, that's one thing about, that's why, that's when, when, when these conversations arise about, you know, the conversation with Heather Hardy and with, and with, and with Ava Knight and with Eddie Hearn and all that stuff. I mean, I totally agree with what Heather Hardy is saying that, you know, a promoter's job is to promote and, 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 and make sure that the fighter gets the opportunities that they can get and all that. I totally agree with that. And I agree with her that, that you know, like what Michaela Mayer said as well, that they're willing to invest in male fighters and more than in female fighters. And, and they might be a male fighter with less following, but they still invest more money on them and give them more opportunities. They're completely right with that. But what Mariana Juarez did is that she saw – Exactly what Michaela Mayer mentioned and what Heather Hardy has mentioned. Mm-hmm. She saw that that's what it was, and she said, "Well, I'm gonna take this. I'm gonna take this bull by the horns myself. And if I have to go out there, and she's been on the show with us before, and if I have to go out there and go on every radio interview and go on every newspaper interview and do everything that is asked of me for me to gather uh, popularity and for me to get to a level where I could demand." the pay that I want, then I'm going to do it. Besides all that, along with training and being a mother and being a daughter and being a sister and being everything that else that she she is. I mean, she took it by the horns and she got to where she is, where to me she is probably the most popular female fighter out of Mexico of all time. I mean, Ana Maria Torres might be a better fighter. Jackie Nava might be a better fighter. But I don't think none of them are more well-known than Lourdes I mean, than Mariana Labarri Juarez. So, you know, she was willing to do the work to get her there and and never complain. So, you know, I, to me, see that as an example that, that should be followed for certain certain fighters. But I don't know if you agree with me or not, Lupi. David, you there? I'm here. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Lupi. So, Lupi, you there? Uh, no, she's still there. Let's see if she pops back in. Well, on Sunday, December 13th, from Osaka, Japan, uh, Miyo Yoshida will take on Tomoko Okuda, defending her 115 uh, WBO title. So on the same weekend, David, we have Lupita Martinez defending her WBC Super Flyweight title, and Miyo Yoshida, who was in LA back in February here with Naoko Fuyoka yeah. um, and, and sparring and, and getting some work in, is going to be defending her title against Tomoko Okuda on Sunday. So we'll be on the lookout for that. On Thursday, David, December 17th, on Matchroom Boxing on the Zone, gives us 
what we've been waiting for to be able to see up close and personal Maiva Hamadouche, the IBF 130-pound champion, defending her title against Nina Pavlovic in a scheduled 10-rounder. And on that same night, but from the wildcard gym in Hollywood, California, NBC Sports, Jelena Maranovic will face Iranda Paola Torres of Mexico in a 10-rounder at 126 pounds. It doesn't seem like it's a uh, title fight, David. Do you know if it is? Uh, I don't know. It's a non-title fight. But it's scheduled as a 10-rounder, so... Yeah, which is... Well, maybe, yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Yeah, so, so we're going to have to... W- Hopefully it is. Yeah. Now, also, another thing... Yeah, now we can hear you, Lupi. You kind of went out a little bit. But now, one thing that it was also announced that it seems like it's going to happen on the non-televised portion of this card is Amanda Serrano against a to-be-announced fighter, the Tiffany Beth Anderson fighter on on the show. So that was recently announced just a couple of days ago on that wild card gym yeah. show. Wow, mm-hmm. didn't know that. Um, I know, yeah. I'm excited. Lou DiBella put out a statement. Amanda Serrano confirmed it, that she's going to be on the show. It's going to be on the non-televised portion of it, and they don't have an opponent as of yet, but she's working on it. And you know, she's going to be fighting on the same card as Jelena Moranovich, a fight that we were looking for it to happen four or five years ago, and now they're going to be fighting on the same card. So can it be uh, the first step towards a fight in the future? We'll see. Lupi? Oh, can I give it? I was going to say, can I give a little gossip? But actually, I got this from Amanda. You know how she wants to fight Jelena? <laughs> she uh-huh. told me that she didn't want to fight her on that card. So she asked, Amanda asked to be put on that card. So she got on the card. But it's TBA. Mm. Just to stay busy, you know. Yeah, and it's going to be on the non-televised portion. I wish we, we, we were be there, but we'll see what happens. So that is the fight calendar. Just to point out that in the hey, next Felipe? two weeks. Yeah, go ahead. Just um, there are some more fights this weekend, but just just because there's seeing there's so many female fights that we should that I should say um, this weekend, Eva Pietkowska. You know, she's mm-hmm. a champ, and she's fighting somebody who's making her pro debut this weekend. Oh, but wow, whatever. I didn't know that. I mean, I, I saw yeah. that she was fighting. I saw that she was fighting, but I know it was a pro debuter. Wow. Yeah. And then Femke Herman fights this weekend for the EBU uh, yeah. European Super Middle title. So there's Rose Vellante this weekend against Helena mm-hmm. Dos Santos, um, Danny Box versus Simone Silva. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of fights. And the one thing that I was going to mention was that in the next two weeks, three of the fights that are going to happen are going to be on the zone. So the zone is putting it, you know, they're doing the work. They're doing the work for female boxing. So I think that, yeah. if anything, I think that Eddie Hearn has the shoe in to win this year's uh, uh, two-minute roundy yeah. or whatever we're going to call our award for promoter of the year. Yeah. So I think that he takes it, uh, he takes it uh, hands down. So with that said, we thank everybody for listening to the show. We thank Mika Mayor for being our guest on our 100th episode. And our next show is on December 17th. 17th I'm sorry, our last show of the year. So with that said, from me and David Avila and Lupe Gutierrez, I'm Felipe Leone. We thank you and we bid you good night. Good night. Good night.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.